Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. You join us to celebrate a rather momentous, unprecedented occasion. Nope, not all four of us being on the podcast together at the same time. We're only through to a bloody cup final. We'll take a look at Saturday's absorbing semi-final against Everton. Take a glance at last week's routine win against our opponents next month in that showpiece final. And stare ominously ahead to the visit of champions-elect Leicester. But before we delve into that, let's see who we're talking to this evening. Paul, have you recovered from your antics on Saturday evening? Not completely, no. Um, it was a it was a long, brilliant day, but it was a long day. And um, it takes me a little bit longer these days to recover from when I've had a couple of shandies. Um, so, yeah, I'm still quite tired. Absolutely. Were you anywhere near the, the, uh, the guy in Green Man who fell through the roof? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we saw it. It was amazing. Good. Look, he was okay. He was absolutely fine. So if he'd been hurt, it wouldn't have been so amazing. But it was that that green man. My my God, the atmosphere in there was unbelievable. Excellent, Rich. I'm guessing you had a slightly uh, more low key weekend. I did. I sat and watched it with the girlfriend. That worked out pretty well. Yeah, she wasn't really watching, but you know, did you? I did. I did scare her senses when Marshall scored. Yeah, I, I jumped up in front of my my two daughters and my parents and punched a footstool in our family home. Enjoy, of course. But there we go. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, let's jump right into it. Rich, how absolutely wonderful was it to win a big, important game in the most Manchester United way possible? That's how it's supposed to be, isn't it? That's 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 United. That's the United that we've been missing for at least two years. Um, and you know, we didn't. We, it made it all the sweeter because we'd been so good in the first half and then Everton had really taken the game over. And I think if it had gone to extra time, there's a good chance we'd have lost that. And I think we all knew that. And then just to score that goal almost with the last kick of the game was, was you know, that was proper United, wasn't it? Absolutely. It it, it felt, it's quite cathartic really in a way. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it was much more so for uh, for Paul being in the, uh, the left-hand side of the ground. Paul, that must have been a pretty... Crazy areas of the pit of the uh, the stadium to be in when that went in. It was literally bedlam. I mean, just a sea of bodies and, and noise and excitement. Um, and like Rich says, you know, it is that is the United way of doing things, isn't it? You know, make it hard for yourselves and then score in the last minute. And the only thing that came close to that in the last since Fergie retired really is the Ever goal against Bayern Munich. And of course, that lasted for what thirty seconds. Yeah, this... thank God, thank God, it wasn't quite as uh, short-lived as that. Yeah, but exactly because it was so close. That was injury time, so it was like, well, they, they don't have time really to to do anything about this. So you you knew it was it was going to be the winner. Um, yeah, it's just glorious, absolutely glorious. And it's scored scored by the one the one player who you could say at the moment you could say you know he's a real United player. Um, you know, he's he's the one with a bit of magic in his boots. He can do something that the other players can't, and win win games like that. Yeah, um, change the get, so, change a game in a split second. Yeah, and it, 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 the, the, I know we'll talk talk about it later, but just the the one touch passing to uh, make up the goal, and just his control as he took the ball through and the finish was just, you know, it was just brilliant. Just the whole thing, it was just like it was written. Um, you know, it was like a story a storybook ending, wasn't it, to the game for United? Um, if you, you could, if you, it kind of made it better that Everton came back so strong in the second half because it did give it that that kind of sense of jeopardy. And I was thinking about this before the 
I think it was after the Villa game, there's been so little tension in United games for so long. You know, with in the past, because we had, we were obviously we were fighting for trophies all the time, there was always that sense of tension, and that's been so lacking. And in this game, there really was because you know it was one all, and they were on the front foot, and you really were thinking at that point. Oh, no, I'm not sure it, we're gonna do it, this. It got very strange, didn't it? I mean, that that first half, apart from that early chance where uh, I think it was. Carrick and Smalling and Fossey Mensah decided just to let Lukaku go clean through and Captain Wayne sort of jumped onto the line in rather heroic fashion. We, we oh god it was, it was, that was the best thing he's done in years. It was yeah, absolutely um, it, it, it was. I would say for that first half we pretty much had our own way really didn't we Rich? We did, the only frustration was that we didn't score more than the one goal because I think with Everton's, Everton's confidence clearly at, a, at an all time low I think if we'd gone two goals ahead, they would have just just collapsed, um, and it would have been a, a pretty um, comfortable day. So, I guess again, that is the United way, isn't it? You know, we could, we should have been out of sight at half time, but we just kept it interesting. And we'll, I suppose I'm starting the Van Hal bashing earlier, early, but he had five minutes of sleep. He does seem to have this. I know, I know. He does seem to have this remarkable ability to suck the life out of the team at half time. Um, I don't know why, but we never come out at the start of the second half firing and it, it was just like it was it was the the stereotypical game of two halves wasn't it you know we should have been far and away um two or three goals ahead at half time and to be perfectly honest we could have lost it in the second half i imagine van gaal was pretty livid at half time though because we were playing quite free-flowing attacking football he must have been you know out oh, of his mind. i mean does anyone really feel that sorry for him at this stage no no exactly but yeah it was a pretty decent first half of football i'd say from us i mean Again, a moment of absolute magic from Martial, you know, dancing on the touchline and pulling that back for Fellaini for the opening goal. <laughs> Fellaini get, did get quite lucky with that finish, though, didn't he, Paul? Yeah, but he, has, he has a knack of being lucky with finishes, though. What was that one he scored with his knee? I can't remember who it was against. It was against West Ham. It was against West Ham, yeah. yeah. He, you know, he does have a tendency to sort of bundle the ball in as opposed to gracefully, you know, beat the keeper. But who cares? I mean... And he played really well, Fellaini, as well, I have to say. I've I've not been his biggest fan, as you may know. Um, but it was... He was playing in his proper position, you know. When he plays more advanced, hey, presto, he becomes a better player. That's um, it. That's where he's played, isn't it? You know, if he... Yeah. He, he, cannot play, he cannot play as a holding midfielder. It of course he can't. baffles me that, that he's ever played there. And, you know, nobody's got any objection to being in the team if he plays in his proper position and most of the most of the the heights that we've the rare heights that we've had over the last two years have come with him playing in that advanced attacking midfield role because he's quite good in that position you know he's not he's never going to be a world beater but he's 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 no martial or anything but he's 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 quite an effective player when he's played in his right position and we've seen it so rarely he must be a right pain in the ass to you know to mark and to, to keep hold of mustn't he you know he's I know he was mocking his mocking his heading, but he just he he's just such a lump, isn't he? And it must be and elbows are everywhere, aren't they? And he's always backing into players. You know, he can, as as David Moyes said, he has got world class chest control, um, and he's he's quite a good pivot. He's quite a good sort of pivotal point in the team for 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 the midfield to sort of play around, and he he just occupies defenders as well, and he just seems to. Occasionally pop up and score important goals. Yeah, you need you need, you need like other create more creative players around him, of course. But 
he can be yeah, he can be very effective in that position. I mean, that's what he was so effective against us when he played for Everton in that position. You know, he causes all sorts of problems. And it's it just it's it's baffling why we haven't played him there more, really, and including David Moyes. I mean, you know, you would have thought he more than anyone would have seen that that was his best position because he had him at Everton for so long. But anyway, he had a good game. I don't care how he scores. If it goes in, happy days. Good stuff. Yeah, I'd agree with that to a certain extent. I, I did sort of find myself retreating slightly when I saw the plays di- praise directed his way uh, in the aftermath of the game, primarily because one of the massive moments of that game that essentially hinged on him was him giving the ball away, you know, in Everton's own half. All right, excellent tracking back to put in a last-ditch tackle for Lukaku. And to be fair, I, I, Lukaku, I think we're, we're very, very grateful that he had an off day because he had, what, three, four chances to score? And fluffed his lines on each occasion, obviously, that, that penalty save. Was that was his second off day. But yeah. Second off day in, two, in, in about three weeks against United, wasn't it? You know, he was pretty, pr- he was pretty hopeless Old Trafford as well, wasn't he? So. But that moment from Fellaini, oh, it, gave, oh, it was ugh, absolutely terrible. I, I was not not impressed at all with the way he did that. And you could just see it happening because you could just see his lack of pace in those sort of situations, especially when there's pressure from behind. It's, it's very, very easy to combat. You just hit him quickly and you take the ball off him. Fair play, you got back, but that could have been a really, really terrible moment. Well, that's the problem with Fellaini, isn't it? Even when he is playing in his correct position, he's not top draw and he's always got one or two of those kinds of mistakes in him. And like you say, because of his lack of pace, it's always going to be very difficult for him to recover from any of those mistakes. And quite often, it, he'll resort to thuggery. But he did get, but he did well to get back. Goodness me, he did. Got a bit more pace than Dave Bindon, who much should absolutely doing well. But there we go. That that penalty decision. So let's move on to that when when Everton were pretty much in the ascendancy. Rich, do you think it was the correct call? I'm firmly of the opinion that was never, ever, ever a penalty. Um, if you watch, the, if you watch the tackle, he gets the ball before he before he brings the man down, and he he didn't go through the man. The, you know, it was just the natural progression of the tackle, and the the laws of the game don't state that the, you can't have any physical contact with the player. He he got the ball and took it away. I think it was a it was a risky challenge, and I think with a bit more experience, he probably wouldn't have dived in quite as he did. But I think he just about got the tackle right, and it was a pretty ropey decision for me. No, that wasn't the best call. I mean, I could see why it was given to a certain extent. I think it was, I think he was almost looking at the whole aspect of the tackle. But as you say there, just because you know the, the contact started and then the ball was won, and then the rest of the challenge came after that, doesn't necessarily mean that it had to have been a penalty. But to be honest, I don't know what it was, but partially it might have been down to the khaki just having that off afternoon. But I did really, really fancy Dave to say that. I've got to admit. He still got some power behind it, though, didn't he? I mean, it was a really good save. I mean, all right, obviously, if the keeper goes the right way, they've got half a chance, but he needed to have pretty strong arms to, you know, even though he'd gone the right way. Yeah, he's he's, so, he's able to cover the whole goal. You know, he's he's so spindly, and um, he's like, you know, Inspector Gadget. And, well, he is, and, you know, he, he's one of his greatest assets. He's been able to just get fingertips to the shots that other keepers wouldn't get to. But as Paul said, it was a brilliant save, just, you know, having that stronger hand as well to 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 um, palm it away, it was a you know really really good save, and I think it was pretty fairly disingenuous of um, LVG to say afterwards that he not saved any in. 
Yeah, like that's a barometer of how well our players are going to do on the day. Try and essentially try and take credit for the fact that he he picked him anyway. Also, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so by that logic, we should have started Sergio Romero if we'd had penalties in a classic Van Hull World Cup-style substitution just because you saved one in training. All right, no problem. Oh, dear. Uh, oh dear. Anyway, De Gea deserved to, to, to make a penalty save or, or you know have a big hand in the in the result because he's been, obviously, our player of the season now for probably three years. I mean, you could argue Martial, I guess. but And his, his celebrations at the end... I could just watch, I have watched and watched and watched, you know, that vine, 30 second vine of him celebrating on his own at the other end of the pitch. You know, he it was fantastic to see him save the penalty and um, sort of cap off a brilliant season per, on a personal level for him. And Van Gaal can just piss off. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I mean, immediately afterwards, if we're going to look at Van Gaal's decisions, um, Fossi Mensa came off pretty sharpishly after that. I mean, Never to Given be seen the, again. Well, I was going to say, I, I, well, yeah. God, so locked, in the, locked in the same dungeon as Varela. Oh, Lucky for him, Van Gaal's probably only got a few more games left, so he's got a fighting chance. Oh, I just can't bring myself to think about the the, uh, the possibility that he might actually be going. If I just if I mentally prepare myself for him staying, that'll make him actually staying a lot easier to deal with. But in terms of Fossi Mensa, I... Uh, <sighs> Difficult to, I think, from Van Hal's perspective, because he didn't see a full replay of that tackle. He assumed that Fossi Mensah had probably gotten it wrong, and thus decided when he immediately conceded a free kick after that penalty was saved, he felt the best thing to do was just to take him off. He didn't have the greatest game anyway, did he? I mean, he wasn't up to the, the kind of standard he had in um, in, the, in the previous couple of games, and I think it was already very, very high. To be fair, <laughs> well, it was. Yeah, I, d- I don't think it was unreasonable at that point that um, LVG. Um, activated his fullback swap button, and um, on about whatever, whatever, however many minutes it was, about an hour, and I made the change for once. It wasn't, it wasn't ridiculous. No, no, for once. But uh, shortly after that, the goal that had been coming for quite some time that we all saw very much coming happened, and it was pretty rubbish, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, it was the old Chris Smalling making an appearance. Um... Mike Smalling. Mike Small. Well, no, Mike Small. No, Mike Small is good, yeah. Good oh, it's probably good. Oh, gosh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I guess you could say he was a bit unlucky, but it, I mean, what was he doing, really? It was just a bit of a weird lunge. Um, but it had been coming. It had been coming for a while, I think, you know, like we, they had been on top. Um, but he certainly gave the Everton fans a lot to sing about. The, the Everton fans were, were in pretty good voice anyway, but uh, yeah, it was just a stupid goal to give away. I think the, the big takeaway from that for me was, I mean, I can see the goal coming, but I think back to the fact that we had two excellent chances that fell to Jesse. And, oh gosh, I mean, Rich, you and I were saying this maybe about a week before and just looking at his finishing and just how, well, turgid it is in those close situations. He can score a spectacular strike with a couple of players around him from incredible angles but when it comes to actually a one-on-one chance for the keeper or a straight chance where he hasn't got that much pressure on him he's got a cleared shot he just finds a way to muck it up isn't it that isn't that he has got the pressure on him isn't it it's it seems to be when he's got time to think then then he he muffs it you know he's the the the, uh the the two best goals he scored this season against West Brom and and Chelsea you know they're they just happened in in a split second, you know, he just had to take take the shot when it was. Whereas, 
if you give him too much time to think about it, I think he just freezes. Um, and he, you know, his his finishing is pretty pretty wank. I guess the thing that frustrates me more about it is that I look at how Jesse's done the last couple of weeks, and he's passed up a lot, a lot of very good opportunities. At least sort of, gosh, four at this stage over the last two or three weeks. And I just think, why are you keeping Memphis out of the side? I mean, it, it's difficult one to try and get your head round. It's one of those situations where Van Hal didn't make any mention of it post-match, but was happy to sort of pour scorn over the achievements of Martial and De Gea. And I'm not necessarily sure what Jesse is doing to justify his inclusion. I know he does a lot of great work off the ball, but that's not necessarily matched by his work on the ball. But there but we he's go. Not, he's not been willing to play to pay right wing all season, has he? Um, I, I, don't, I don't really understand why he's not had a crack at, at in playing there, but... Um, it, you know, it's looked fairly obvious that we, we, the two, you know, the two options we've had on that side, Lingard and Mata, haven't really been good enough, consistently good enough to to warrant a place there. And I don't, I just can't see why he hasn't given him a shot. But um, he seems to like something about Lingard. I, I think we've said before that it's probably because he follows instructions to the to the letter, um, and so he might not be particularly effective or spectacular. But if he does what he said, what, what he's told to do, then he'll just get in the team every week. No, nope, yeah, he's not that much of an upgrade on Asher Young, is he? Really? No, I mean, you know, I can see. I'm, I'm willing to accept that he has a role as a squad player at United. I think he's good enough. He's good enough to do that. Definitely. That's very but, good of you, Rich. Well, I know. I, I wouldn't have said that a few months ago. Jesse will be thrilled. He will, I'm sure. Um, but you know, he shouldn't be starting for United every week. Um, but that's that's a that's that's. A, more testament to the weaknesses of the squad, really, isn't it? It's not his fault. Um, you know, I, I just, I just don't really know what he, what he does um, consistently that for the team. He, you know, does a lot of running, um, and perhaps he links play up fairly well. But he's had so many average games, and yet he just seems to get in the team the next week, whatever he does. Yeah. Gosh, well, we sound like we're on a bit of a downer at this stage, to be fair. This is ridiculous. This is a good day, guys. And it ended very, very well. I mean, to be fair, I thought our reaction for the most part after the goal was pretty decent. I mean, normally in those sort of situations, when we've seen that goal coming and the goal happens, we'll just retreat back into our shell and pray that things sort of work themselves out. It felt like there was a bit more of an assertive attitude this time around. And it, you know, it didn't really manifest itself properly until the Martial goal. But you know, we were creating a little bit more after that goal. It seemed to wake us from our slumber a little bit. You know, a couple of uh, crosses flashed across Everton's uh, penalty area that no one got really anywhere near. But still, it, it happened. And then Paul, that moment of magic. Um, oh gosh, talk talk me through that from your perspective, from your seat in Wembley. Um, well, it was a great move. Um, and Martial would, the thing with him is it's close control it's, it's incredible and when I don't know I mean it was just one of those great great United moments um, that we, we sort of got used to under Fergie haven't really had since then um, it was a really cool finish and, it, and it, it, after the game I was <clears throat> I was thinking about it and the thing with Martial is that Quite often, with with sort of you know great players, big big players, they don't they sometimes disappear in the big games. Well, this has proved that he does not disappear in the big games. He clearly is a big game player, and I loved his reaction as well after the goal because we've we've 
that first goal he scored for us against Liverpool, you know, when you think about it, it's Old Trafford on his debut against Liverpool, and he's just sort of dead eyes after the goal, wasn't he? You know, just sort of running away, looking like, oh, I do this all the time. And this was like the polar opposite. He just went absolutely mental. And it was fantastic to see. And he said recently, I think, didn't he, that he's having a, he's having a ball at United. And he really looked like he, like he is. But if, you, if you think he's come from Monaco, where you know, they kind of average crowds of two or three thousand every every game, um, you know, there's essentially no atmosphere in the stadium. No, um, you know, you could score the winning goal and still you still hear a pin drop, and suddenly he's playing in front of seventy thousand fans. You know, it must be an incredible buzz. Yeah, and the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. Like I said before, yeah, Everton fans helped to to make it fantastic, but. United fans were were in great voice, absolutely unbelievable atmosphere. And when that went in, it was just it just that was it, it just went oh, off. It was a yeah. I, I I would love to see some form of super cup of as many people as we know celebrating that goal when it went in. It would have been absolutely wonderful. And we've been starved of moments like that over the last couple of years. So it is absolutely wonderful to see. You know, we've we've been very very lucky over the course of the last twenty plus years to see many amazing moments. And, you know, it, it, it's all right. It's not been absolutely terrible last two and a half years, but it's not been particularly great. So I, I think we're, we're well within our rights to enjoy that moment. But Yeah, and we've, and we've got a player that we can build a team around now as well. Absolutely. That's always advantageous. But I think one of the, the most interesting aspects of that goal, thinking about perhaps one of Van Gaal's more prescriptive things, is the fact that he's very much uh, set on making sure that you take a touch before you pass the ball. And think back to that goal and you see touch to Rashford, Rashford touches back, touch to Herrera. And, you know, obviously Herrera had Jagielka's attention, so he couldn't, you know, immediately play a pass back, but he held it up, you know, relatively well and then toe poked it through for that great touch. But that whole build up there, that was not Van Halen at all for me. I thought that was really interesting to see because I'm not necessarily sure if you stick to Van Hal's prescriptive nature, you're going to see that goal. I think that was Martial trying something to a certain extent against type and it paid off I wonder in the in a game like that I, I I think he probably didn't like the first half very much um, because it was just so it was so open and I, I wonder it, because of the occasion because of the importance of it because of the rush of playing at Wembley and the atmosphere that the team really kind of um, to a degree took it upon themselves to to be to be more instinctive and offensive um, which would kind of explain them going flat after half time when he told them to pack it in. Stop expressing yourselves, lads. No, no, but and then I think at the end, I think at the end, you know, that you get into the point that no, nobody wanted extra time. I'm sure they're all absolutely knackered. Um, f- from United's perspective, we, on the balance of play in that period of the game, we probably looked like we could have lost the game. And I think there was just an urgency to get get the game done, to win the game, and. Um, and it was like a like a sodic moment, you know. Let's just take it into our own hands here, lads, and and you know, sod yeah. what Van Gaal might say afterwards. Yeah, it was. It was just kind of a shit or bust moment, wasn't it? We just, I'm just gonna. We've got about thirty seconds left. We need to get to the goal quicker than uh, the normal, and just just go for it. And that's the one. The wonderful thing about um, Martial playing on the left is that he he can drift about. Um, and he, you know, he comes inside and he he drags defenders about, and he his movement's so intelligent. Um, it is, it really is, and he he, he, he kind of glides, doesn't he? he? Glides across the across the turf. It's it's a joy to watch. He's got everything really. You know, he's got he's got an element of physicality to his game. He's got 
wonderful technique. Um, he's got pace. He's got acceleration from a, you know, a standing start. Um, you get the impression that if if he continues to improve at this rate in two or three years' time, he could be almost unplayable, which is which is pretty exciting to uh, absolutely to think about. Now, before we get on to the uh, the slightly less uh, what's the word I'm searching for here, well, enjoyable part of the podcast, um, Rich, how massive is it? that we've actually got through to this final how big do you feel it could be for united in you know the short to medium term that we've actually got to in the showpiece occasion and have a chance of winning some silverware i know we've we've mocked um arsenal remorselessly for for this this kind this kind of thing I mean, when you say we was it mostly just you cuz <laughs> no no there has been there has been remorseless mocking for, on on social media for for some time um I've I've always I've always valued the the FA Cup and I well, the same way you always rated Fellaini. No, no, but I can honestly say I've been slightly envious of Arsenal the last the last two years winning it. Um and and obviously then but they moved ahead of us in terms of in terms of wins as well. But I can remember I'm I'm just I'm old enough that I remember the importance of the FA Cup final in nineteen ninety. Um and what a buzz we got off of that after a really quite a, a poor period um, and, and a really poor season that season as well um, and the FA Cup just kind of carried us carried us through to the end of the season and it's got to, it's got to feel like that we know we know the league's drifted away we're probably not going to get fourth place and so that was it and, and I think I think the fan you know the fans as well Paul probably knows better than I do but they're just really really appreciating having um, kind of Death or death or glory games, um, because all of all of the games under Van Hal, most of them, they just all faded into each other. They're just a they're just they're just a muddle of of mediocrity and and averageness, and there's hardly anything to remember. But we've got these games where whatever happens, it's going to be um, it's going to be exciting. Somebody's got to win, and I think it's just got everybody excited again. And whilst I have a deep displeasure of Van Hal, I would prefer it on a human level if he could leave having won a trophy and kept that that record of having won a title or a trophy at every club he's he'd been at and that seems like a more natural and dignified point to exit than um two years of abject failure um but you know that's not the major major point the point is that it just would be really really wonderful to win something again and also, I think incredibly important for, or it can be incredibly important for particularly young players, who you know, the, the, you know, you think about Rashford, Martial, possibly Mensah, if he ever plays for us again. Um, you know, if they if they get to lift the FA Cup this season in their first season, you know that 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 could really help them in their in their development and progression. And I know it's not really helped Arsenal very much, but that's Arsenal. But Rooney, Rooney said something quite interesting yesterday. He said that um, he, he he noted that that over the past two or three years, hardly any of the squad that that um, Fergie had in his final season are there anymore. And most of the most of the squad we've got now have never won anything. Exactly, and it gives you you know you, when you win that first trophy, we we saw it with with um, Fergie's teams. You know, it can really increase that hunger and give them a taste for it. And all right, it's only the FA Cup, but it's still a trophy. Still a lot a more bleak... than we were in the last few years. Yeah, exactly. 
And if and f- as, for, from what Rich was saying before about the the fans giving to the fans something to get excited about, it's absolutely right. Because if we if we weren't in the in the in the FA Cup still, you know what would we have? We would unlikely to get fourth place. And even if we do, it's crisis fourth place. You know, yeah, we'd prefer to be in the Champions League, but it's not success, is it? Particularly getting you know finishing fourth in the league, whereas winning the FA Cup is can be seen as a degree of success at least, you know, it's, we've had a reasonably easy run, but who cares? It's fantastic to win any silverware. Absolutely, I'd agree with that. That's a good point as well, Rich, that you mentioned there. Wayne Rooney, we've not mentioned him at all. Now, oh, he, was, he was very good, wasn't he? He was, he was. And let, let's all get that on record, because, you know, we've lambasted him to pieces on several occasions this season. Not without, not without good reason, fair play. No, I'll say Phil, Wayne Rooney played very well. Yes, he did. Yes, I th- well... I think uh, we might have seen a glimpse of where his future lies a United shirt, to be honest. Uh, I... the, the next Paul Scholes. Oh, yeah. Thinks, yeah. Well, I'm not sure I'd go that far. I mean, <laughs> no, but that's what got he's the hair saying, isn't it? it? Well, at least he's the hair saying, length, anyway. He's saying that he's, he's learnt from Paul Scholes. He's learnt a position from Paul Scholes. So, finally, we've got the next Paul Scholes. Oh, well, All he needs to start doing now is um, hitting Just balls the next Michael people Carrick who are having a week. First as well. In training, and we'll we'll have the next four goals. <laughs> I think the interesting. I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say. I think the interesting thing is that what I've noticed is that he's playing. He's played in midfield before, but this time he seems to be playing in a much more disciplined way. Um, you know, he's always had the the urge to get forward from 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 midfield when he's played in the past, whereas he has been. Um, he has strictly kept himself in position, and he and. Almost as a quarterback, hasn't he? It, it was kind of a quarterback performance, um, and he does have a he does have a good passing range, um, and he just hasn't got the physical attributes anymore to to be an effective centre forward. I think so. It, that is the natural position, particularly as we really lack um, a midfielder with that with with vision and with a sort of medium to long passing range. Um, you know, he could still have use for us there for for a few more years yeah i agree with that i, I think the interesting aspect of it you will, will i'm sure we all might see a, a case of this before the season ends just how really deals if he plays in that position if he's getting closed down quicker and has less time to ping the ball around the other end of the pitch because you know essentially that is a big part of his game if he's going to be playing that role because he loves having the freedom to do it loves having the time to do it he loves picking those passes out if he doesn't get that opportunity you know depending on who he's playing with what else can you really offer from that because as you mentioned the physical attributes aren't particularly there anymore I think in terms of playing up front I don't think there is realistically a role for him next season because whatever happens you'd expect United to strengthen up front Rashford shouldn't really be going anywhere there's no way we're sending him out on loan considering the way the last couple of months have gone you know we've still got Martial you can play in that role even though you'd perhaps argue that He's provided such a great threat coming in from the left-hand side that you might want to keep him there. But I don't think there's a place for Rooney up front at United anymore. No, I agree. Totally agree. The, the trouble is, I mean, my worry, my concern would be that he's he's, he's had he's played okay in midfield a couple of other times before, um, and then it's just kind of crumbled. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, we'll see. He played really well, and and and. I was impressed. I was really impressed with him on Saturday, but I, I'm not completely sure he's the answer. 
Let's call it the Fellaini principle. You know, Fellaini had a good game, but we're not going to draw any massive sweeper conclusions from that going forward. That's fair enough. Well, moving on. Moving on to uh, Van Hal's comments. Now, Rich, you were not particularly impressed with how our effervescent boss dealt with uh, several key things in his uh, chats to METV and the Beeb and uh, his post-match press conference. So let's start with the one uh, describing uh, everyone's favourite young Frenchman, Anthony Martial. Now, you'd be fair to think that having scored a goal in the semi-final of an FA Cup in injury time in front of your fans, a great goal at that, he would probably have gotten a little bit more praise than this. He could have scored in the first half when he was in the same situation, so I told him at half-time to shoot low in the corner, and he did it. I think he could do much better. That's just typical Van Gaal taking credit for everything, isn't it? You know, he, he does it. He does it in every single aspect of any anything positive that happens is down to him, and everything anything negative that happens is down to somebody else or or factors beyond his control. Um, and he just doesn't seem to be able to give any of his players unqualified praise at all. Um, whereas whereas Fergie would. He, you know, he'd defend his players to the last, wouldn't he? And he'd, um, you know, he talked them up all the time. He'd never, very rarely, really laid into a player in a in a in front in front of the press. Um, and Van Hal's just the, just the polar opposite. He cannot say anything nice without putting a little dig before it. Um, we did say it was a fantastic finish, but I don't understand why you don't sort of lead with that and maybe leave out that thing where you had to tell him how to do his job better when he's clearly capable of doing that. But it is take it is that taking the credit thing, isn't it? It's it's he he's done that because of me. That was down to me. That wasn't really down to him. And if I hadn't told him to do that, then he wouldn't have done that, and we wouldn't have won the game. Um, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the most irritating things about Van Hal. He's just he can't say anything can't say anything nice. Um, and he has to take credit for everything. Yeah, I, got, I mean, I can't stand listening to the guy anymore, really. I, I think in his first season, um, you know, he kind of thought, oh, he's, yeah, he's a bit eccentric. Um, but this, it, it's just, it, it just winds me up now. I've got to admit, I preferred him more when he was drunk. So, yeah. <clears throat> he just, he comes out with so much bullshit, it's unbelievable. I mean, there was this stuff again today, and it was, there was stuff last week about, oh, I don't have enough creative players. You know, we'd, we'd we, and then, and also, you know, we were, we were first in the league when, and then we got loads of injuries. Ah, you changed the record, mate. You know what I mean? It's just, it's pathetic. I've got that quote here, actually, that, about the players, and it, it, it smacks to me of, I know I'm going and I don't give a shit anymore. He's um, basically said, we need quick, creative players. And he said this before, but we need quick, quick, creative players. That's a tricky remark of me because <laughs> I've, I've to manage players whose quality is not always what I want. Oh, and you know, we're two years in. He's had an enormous amount. This is of money. his team. He's he signed so many players, and he had Angel Di Maria and Shinji Kagawa, who's creating. I mean, I'm, look, I know I've got a bit of a thing for Shinji Kagawa, but you know, he, he's doing a fair bit of creating at Dortmund. You know, and there are there are other players out there. Mares at Leicester, you know, cost peanuts. I mean, you know, Deli Ali at Spurs. These are creative players. What did he buy to pay for? You know, surely, you know, surely Depay was supposed to be that player, and that was the player he picked. He hand picked him. I was thinking that today. It, it was a kind of like a, a veiled dig at, at um, Memphis. You know, they, surely they did. They, obviously, he worked with him um, for Holland, 
they surely did a lot of scouting when before they signed him. You know, it's it's just ridiculous. This is his team. And Herrera as well. He's perpetually dropping under Herrera, who's all right. Doesn't always have fun, you know. Uh, take games by the scruff of the neck or anything, but he's a creative player. He's one of our more creative players. Juan Mata's one of our more creative players, and he's stuck him out on the right almost all the time. It's just ridiculous. That the Mata comment—that's that, actually a good point to raise too. I saw a lot of people talking about how much quicker United looked without Mata in the side, and I thought that was a massive, massive red herring. If you look at the speed of United's game when Mata plays, I mean, perhaps some people could say that it we maybe did look a little bit quicker, but that was because you had Martial and Lingard mostly out wide, and then you had Fellaini and Rui going back and forth through the middle. When you play Juan Mata, who is not a fast player, in a wide position, of course it's going to make United look slower. It's, Juan Mata's no, no, not much slower than Maro and Fellaini. You, know, you play Juan Mata as a number 10 away. I mean, again, he's not always shone in that role. I'm not saying he's the answer, like, you know, long term. But he's he's not a bloody winger. No. I mean, and Moyes, Moyes started that, didn't he, as well? We, it's, 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 that, the, the whole thing about Matter, and we all, we're all really, really delighted when we signed him because he'd done so well at Chelsea. But, it was a signing that, that smacked of we just need to sign somebody for a lot of money. Um, we didn't we didn't need a number ten because Rooney was playing there at the time. Um, and it, it from from the story as as um, recounted from Edward Ward to various journalists, it was a move really that he conceived and made happen. Um, and that's been Matt's problem all the way through. I think he just he's he's a lovely technically gifted player but he just hasn't ever had a role in the side that really works the, the team has not been built around him and I think he, if you're going to play him you've got to you've got to have speed either side of him and a lot of movement and they've got to do the running for him and let him do the you know you know the te- technical creative work and you've just never found a place in the side for him that where he fits and we've never had the players around him to get the best out of him. No, I'm sure there's a way that he can succeed at United. I'm just not so sure we're going to see it at this stage. You know, he's two and a half years into his deal. And I think, you know, if Van Hal stays and I can see it going very similarly to how it's been this season, if for the sake of argument, Mourinho comes in, well, I just leave that thought dangling there. But one more Van Hal comment before we move on, uh, on De Gea. Yesterday, we had an exercise of penalties. 20 penalties we have taken. Sergio Moreira saved one and David De Gea zero. But today was the most important. So what we can glean from that was that Romero should have started yesterday, lads. Yeah, probably would have come on. Oh, dearie me. Well, I mean, I'd, ra- I'd rather De Gea saved one penalty in, a, in an FA Cup semi-final and no penalties in training than 20 penalties in training and not the, the one that counted. I mean, yeah, what's he getting at? What's his point? I think he's, he's as as we've mentioned before, he's very good at trying to pull his players back down when uh, no, and then when they do nice something good. But it was very very strange. I mean, he did so well to save that penalty, and he's been so gigantic for us all season. I guess you kind of temper praise with a little bit of well, I don't know. If you if you take into account the fact that De Gea has essentially held us together for three years, um, and, and the whole of the time that the Van Hal's been here. I don't think he's ever once managed to, to to praise him in an unqualified way. It's it's always been, well, yeah, he did okay. He made a good save. He could have done these things better. Um, 
and you're saying he doesn't like his play. He just he sort of brings his players down when they're up. He never lets them get up. I think that's part of the problem. Um, that's true. But at least we've still got who I would class as the world's best goalkeeper. Almost, yeah, I think he is perhaps in spite yeah. of it to a certain extent. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, that and, pretty well. and I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen David De Gea celebrate a Real Madrid goal the way he celebrated that United goal. Yeah, I mean, goodness knows what's going to happen with him going forward. But, you know, I mean, if it is Mourinho, it was pointed out earlier on today, I saw that, you know, if Mourinho does come in, then, you know, both, you know, they've both got agents with Jorge Mendes. So... I can't see Mourinho going up to Mendes and say, yeah, get rid of De Gea when De Gea has just been so wonderful for us for the last three seasons in a row now. Uh, you know, depending on how things has happened, you know, you can't really predict the future too easily. But De Gea didn't look to me like a man who is hankering for a move away based on how he celebrated that goal. But anyway, moving on, we'll be facing uh, Crystal Palace after that 2-1 win against Watford yesterday. Sorry, we actually played on Saturday. I do remember that. Um, and we also played them... Ooh, gosh, about five nights ago. Now, a somewhat sparsely put play at Old Trafford that did not feature Paul Gunning because you decided not to go, Paul. Yeah, my brother went um, in my stead. So, um, uh, yeah, I didn't go. Good, fair enough. I mean, that sort of, <clears throat> that's quite indicative <clears throat> of the uh, the mood to a certain extent. You know, most seasons when you're getting to this stage, you'd sort of think, well, I, I would, wouldn't miss it for the world unless something huge came up or, you know, life got in the way. But it seems to be quite indicative of the way a lot of United fans are looking at attending games, especially Old Trafford lately, Paul. Would you say? Well, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been to. I don't. I don't tend to miss a lot of games. Um, and it wasn't because I didn't want to go, for me. But I know a lot of United. I've I've spoken to a lot of United fans who, you know, they they they've gone religiously for for years and years, and they're just kind of sick of it. And if something else comes up. Um, whereas in the past they would have they would have turned that down. Now they're they're giving it you know more thought. I mean, I, and it came a few days after the Aston Villa match, and that was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my life. Then the atmosphere was horrendous. Um, there were really no redeeming features other than Rashford's goal. So I think that that probably didn't help. You know that the fact that it had been just a few days and since that awful awful game. Yeah, Old Trafford was definitely a, a bit more uh, sparsely populated than it is usually. I, I, I can't remember a Premier League game where it's been like that before. Certainly not in a, in the last, gosh, 20 plus years. I mean, League Cup games, are, you know, often in the early stages, they won't be that full, but certainly not on a level like that. But to be fair, what was strange about it was that we actually played quite decent attacking football on several occasions. All right, we got quite lucky. I mean, Damian forced that on goal early on and that incredible volley after that corner coming for uh, the second. And then, obviously, <clears throat> because it's Van Hal, he was dropped for the semi-final, having had, you know, one of the best performances of any of our sort of left-backs, and certainly better than anything Rojo has managed in the last couple of months. Didn't Van Gaal say, I, 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 might, be make, I might be imagining this, but didn't he say something about, um, oh, yeah, I told Diamond he's got a fantastic shot or something like that after the game as well. Did anyone else see that or have I made that up? Well, it sounds pretty plausible, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. it does standard taking the credit fair from... Yeah, it's just literally come back to me. Maybe I dreamt it. Put it this way, mate. I'm not going to double check on that one. I'll go with <laughs> you on that one. That's absolutely fine. Oh, it, yeah. It was, but... just, it was just a nothing game, that game, wasn't it? You know, it was it was essentially Palace's stiffs. And, you know, they clearly 
they clearly had their mind on the semi-final and have had for quite a long time. Um, and, you know, they offered absolutely nothing, did they? I, I can't really recall a shot on target. Um, so it was just a completely dead game. The atmosphere was obviously dead and the, we we won because we had a better team out than they did and I don't think it gives any guides to the final at all. No, fair enough. I mean, as you were right, it was a bit of a nothing game. What that has done, um, actually, the the northeast of England have actually contrived to give us something of a route back into the top four. I guess it was actually quite important just to get that win. I mean, again, you know, I want to sort of caveat that by saying I'm not 100% sure that United are going to get top four and anyone who is 100% sure that United are going to get top four should perhaps lay off the booze. I think if we if we win all, if all our remaining games, I think we probably will. Yeah, yeah. The way it works is if we beat Leicester and then Norwich and then West Ham and then Bournemouth and then there's a winner in the uh, City-Arsenal game, which is their second to last game of the season, then somehow, miraculously, against all odds because essentially City and Arsenal or Arsenal have buggered up, then we get top four, which will be absolutely remarkable because it's uh, five English teams that can qualify. So the top four, uh, say if for the sake of argument, Arsenal get third and we get fourth and then City finish fifth, they can still qualify for Europe if they win the Champions League and those five will go through. It only doesn't work if unless Liverpool, Liverpool win the Europa well. League. <laughs> uh, imagine. Well, Let's not, not imagine, actually. Yeah. End of days, that, wouldn't it? But no, Rich, how, I mean, how remarkable would it be to actually get the top four finish, given just how thoroughly, awfully inconsistent we've been this season? Yeah, it would. I think I'd spend more time laughing at Arsenal than I would actually taking pleasure at the fact we got top four, because it it doesn't really feel like a prize, to be honest, does it? Um, so, uh, you know, United do need to be in the Champions League, but it would just be funny, because I think if anyone anyone misses out it's going to be Arsenal um, I really I really hope we get it though you know because that season last season you know those those um, those those weeks are long in between games aren't they I think maybe we've um, because because the Champions League was such an anti-climax this year you know we, we, we had that year where we just yearned for it to come back um, and and then we got back in it and we were just utter shite um, it was just appalling really appalling um, I guess we're all just feeling a bit cynical about the whole thing at the moment and um, you know if, if we got in the Champions League and Van Gaal still went then I think we'd all probably be looking forward to it with a lot more relish than if we got in the Champions League and Van Gaal stayed No, It, it does feel very strange doesn't it I, 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 I can't realistically see a way in which it works partially because we are playing Leicester who you know, even without Vardy still managed to smash four past Swansea something we haven't managed in well, ever? Yeah, exactly. They, they, they're, uh, they're still looking remarkably strong despite losing their top scorer. So you know, Sunday could be a very interesting game. You know, I, I can see United winning it, and I'm not trying to blow smoke with that. I can see a way in which, if United approach it in the right way, they could very easily create a situation where they frustrate Leicester, and Leicester are you know confined to very very few chances. And maybe we grind out a decent result. I can also see Leicester just hitting us on the counter-attack two or three times and losing two or three nil, which would be absolutely awful. We've got the um, we've got the best home record in the in the Premier League, haven't we? We do. Um, that gives me hope. I've got to admit it does. But I I also noted that um, Leicester's away record is is exactly the same as our home record. Um, 
So they are, you know, it, it's it's two two very uh, impressive records um, facing off against each other, and one's got to well, I suppose it could draw, but um, and the other thing is as well, Leicester can afford, I think, to, to draw that game. I, I don't think they'd like to draw that game, but they can afford to draw it. Um, and I, I can see us taking, you know, at least at least a couple of points off them. Um, and I think our, I think our biggest problem is the West Ham away game. Um, I know we've won there once, but it, it's a big ask to uh, to win there twice when when nobody else has since September. But it's it's not impossible. No, I think the whole that whole point about top four at the minute is that it doesn't feel impossible. Somehow it doesn't feel impossible considering that we, you know, seemingly contrived to mess almost everything else up this season. And don't forget the FA Cup run that we're on has been the kindest run of draws that I think I've ever seen United get ever to get to this point. Ridiculous. You're thinking of oh Sheffield United and then Derby, uh Shrewsbury. I mean, West Ham was easily the most difficult, but then, you know, Everton today who all right, played very well after half time, but again, I'm not in the greatest run of form. It's not like we faced anyone, you know, challenging for the league title or anything like that. So yeah, we we've definitely, definitely been very lucky in the FA Cup. And in terms of the top, f- it's called yeah. having a Chelsea, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely, good point. Chelsea have spawned ridiculously, ridiculously easy home draws in the FA Cup for for quite a few seasons. So it's about time we did. Yeah, it's that incredible uh, run where we were facing, uh, gosh, what was it, league team, Premier League teams about for about one or two seasons in a row. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, to be fair, I'm glad that's gone. I'm going to accept the good luck and not look a gift horse in the mouth. But yeah, top four it, it, again. It, we just go. We've we've said this tons and tons of times in this podcast this season. So is everyone else. But it's all about consistency. You know, realistically, I think we've got to win all four games to put us in with a very decent shout. And even then, you're hoping for Arsenal and City to slip up just a little bit more. Which again, completely well, Arsenal, plausible that that could happen because they Arsenal are just got, looking so inconsistent themselves. Arsenal have, Arsenal have got Villa and Norwich at home. That's um, true, but Norwich actually aren't down yet, so that could be a pretty tricky afternoon for them. Villa, no, that's not going to be a problem at all. No, but, I, uh, I can't see them not winning those two games, so it's, I think it's going to have to be them losing at City and us winning all four. Yeah, um, I mean, again, you're just looking at us showing more consistency and offering a better performances can you know in a, in a row consecutively than we've been able to do before I'm, I'm just not sure we've got it in us um actually i would perhaps say that we have got it in us i'm not necessarily sure that van hal is able to take that out of his players and actually provide those sort of performances and get those results four in a row when to be fair we really could do with it but there we go that's all we can manage for anyway we'll finish off with twitter questions rich you're first up would you agree not starting matter was influential in United playing that at Wembley? And that is asked by the insipid one. Yes. Um, you know, the Fellaini experiment worked very well. And whilst I didn't think Lingard had a great game, he, he offers more more mobility. And it, it, I think the key to us winning that game was, was pace in attacking areas. Um, I think the only thing I, dis- I disagree with slightly with that in terms of not starting matter, I would say not starting matter out wide was influential to United playing like that at Wembley. I think if you start playing him in his more natural position, you're going to see a better matter. But then you're moving, then you're moving Fellaini, and you know Fellaini did have a good game in that role. So um, I, I think you've on that changed your tune suspiciously on Fellaini in the last week, Rich. I'm just, I just, I just take evidence as it comes, and you know he did, he did play well on on Saturday. I can't, I cannot deny, and he was influential in the win. So um, I think he was a better pick than Matter. So I'm willing to give Van Hal teeny tiny crumb of credit for that 
Paul. Gary at Gary underscore 1105 asks, whenever the camera cuts to Martial, he never seems out of breath. Are we sure he's human? Um, no, not 100% sure. He, he, I think I think he's just a fan, really fantastic athlete. Obviously, he's very young, uh, so he's got boundless energy. Um, so, no, I think he's human. I love I, I, What I love is his expressions, his facial expressions. I think they're, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. He does that, you know that um, emoji with the two eyes looking sideways? Yeah. He's got that down to a T. Oh, God, he's such a cool customer, isn't he? He's I really, amazing. really hope he comes back from France just unscathed and has a good sort of summer off because we've absolutely played him more than we should have done this season. Rich. Say, sorry, go yep, go on. I was going to say you could say the same Rashford and Fossi Mensah as well. They're both, well, obviously, we played, we've had to play Rashford a bit more than we would have liked, but they're both of them have seem to have... Um, ice in their veins to a degree as well, don't they? At least on on the pitch. Um, I think it's just the kind of the fearlessness of youth, isn't it? Um, they're just they're just enjoying it and and playing on instinct at the moment, and and that, you know that's that's why it's so so enjoyable to watch. Well, it's kind of the mentality that you dream of when you think about playing for United. You know, you know we've all done it when we've all thought, "Gosh, here's here's the moment I can envisage," and you just. Imagine yourself in those sort of situations, just playing it cool, acting like you belong, and they are, they are absolutely living out our dreams in that sort of instance, really, aren't they? Yeah, it must be such a rush for them, mustn't it? Yeah, absolutely. and I think you can see that in the celebrations. It just, you know, the uh, did that photo. I thought of um, of them all um, running behind. I think it was Under Herrera who posted it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and they're about to jump into orbit. Yeah, that was beautiful. Fan- some fantastic photos actually from that game. Side note as well, I wanted to pick up on Ander. We completely forgot to mention this earlier on. Isn't he the biggest git to play against in the entire world? Oh gosh, that was an incredible pullback on Bartley to get yellow carded and then fall over dramatically. And then that wonderful tap and the wonderful celebrations. He must be awful to play against, but I'm so glad we've got him. You want to see that in your players. You remember that, um, that time Solskjaer ran about 50 yards to bring down a player? And, and get sent up, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's just like you, you, sometimes you need to be that kind of little little bastard, you know. You need that player in your team, and um, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, Rich James at written off underscore mufc asks if Jose picked someone with mufc affiliation as a member of his backroom team, who would be your pick? Oh, um, I'd. In an ideal world, I'd say I'd want him not to. I don't think um, I don't think Van Hal having gigs has really worked at all, um, and I don't. I'm not sure that gigs particularly will have learned a great deal positive from from Van Hal. But well, you, I suppose, you could argue that he's perhaps learned a lot of what not to do. I, that's that's true. Um, I I think I'd I'd like to have Gary Neville around the place. Um, I know I know he had a hard time at Valencia, but he, he clearly has got. Um, a very, um, a very astute footballing brain, and you know he's tactically very, very aware, and he reads games well. And I think he would be a really useful member of staff to, to have. Oh, good shout! What do you reckon, Paul? Roy Keane. It's <laughs> <laughs> my stock answer. Oh but, god! I mean, can you I mean, bloody no, imagine this, that? That'd be amazing. This is, this is like um, obviously the the, the, the tongue in cheek, really, because. You know the the whole the term ideal world, but I mean to have Roy Keane at times over the last few years, just you know 
the players knowing that he's going to be there in that dressing room at half time, I think you'd get a Ra- slightly different performance out of them. Raging on the touchline with his, yeah, just with his huge, huge beard and his eyes seething. Yeah. yeah, that vein yeah. on the on the side of his head, you know. Yeah, just the essentially thing. wanting there to scare the shit out of everyone. Is Basically, that yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Right. Well, you can't really disagree with that, can you? Right. Final <laughs> question of the night from Vikash Patil. Jose is known to be an admirer of Rooney. He won't sell him. Should he play midfield more often next year? I think whoever's in charge, I think he needs to play midfield more often next year. And I think it also, I think with Rooney, well, like, with, same with any player, but I think particularly with, with, with a player like Rooney, who's clearly feeling the effects of time um, and his age, um, it needs to be kind of on a game-to-game basis. And I think he actually needs to be managed better. He needs to be rested more because he is... Um, you know, I know he's only thirty, but you know he's been playing since he was what sixteen. He's got that kind of physique. He needs to be managed better. He needs to, you know, take a bit more time off. So yeah, play him in midfield, but also um, give him a rest when he needs one, and just keep reviewing the situation because he has had, you know, reasonably good games in midfield before, and then it's all gone to shit again. So yeah, Rich, would you agree? Yeah, I mean. Um... We know that that Mourinho liked him three years ago. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure he's got eyes, and he can see that he's 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 lost some of the attributes that he had then, and um, he'd have to be managed differently. I don't think there's any way that he would leave United this summer, whatever happens. So, whoever comes in is, or even it's Van Hal, is going to have to find a way to integrate Rooney into some sort of system. Um, and like you say, I, th- I think we're Whoever whoever's the manager, I think will be looking to sign a big name centre forward, or or an established goal scorer, um, which will leave even less room for for Rooney up front. So I think the only place that he can realistically um, play on a regular basis would be would be in midfield. He could be our number two goalkeeper given given that goal line clearance. Yeah, I mean he, he might be well rested. Wear, wear a glove he, on his head. Maybe maybe he'll have saved a uh, saved a penalty in training. Oh, see, that'll earn him a starting position, surely. <laughs> guys, we're all done. That's all the questions. Thank you very much for your questions this week, guys. Paul and Rich, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Rich, where can the people find you on Twitter? They can find me at richcan76. And Paul? Uh, Paul Gunning 1. Excellent. Guys, thank you very much for listening. You can find us on SoundCloud or the iTunes podcast app. Or if you're on Android, Beyond Pod. If you're not already following us, please follow us. Thank you very much for listening as always. Have a wonderful week and we will be back hopefully with a decent result to uh, speak about after facing champions-elect Leicester. That's all we've got time for. Thank you very much and good night.